Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our Golden Twenties podcast. You have Sadie and Tegan, hey. and Tegan's joined by her cat Maud today. I see her in like the video. Say hi. So we're also joined by Maud. She just ran away. She's yeah. She's like nope. It's funny because we never give her a chance to speak, and she's always meowing in the background of all of the podcast recordings. And then today we're like Maud. Now's your chance. Now's your chance. And she's like, too much Nothing. pressure. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> But anyways, welcome back, everybody, to a whole new episode. We are really excited for this episode. We're having a good life chat Mm -hmm. and going through 20 things we've learned so far in our 20s. I feel like this is just like full of like life advice, Mm -hmm. maybe not even advice, just like lessons learned, sharing the wisdom. Yeah. And maybe you learning from our mistakes or like learning lessons we maybe had to learn the hard way. So Mm -hmm. you don't have to learn them the hard way. Obviously not everything might resonate or everything might not resonate for you, but here's to hoping at least some of it does. Yeah. And some of mine are like things that I'm still trying to remind myself. So even though it's on my list of like lessons learned, it's not like, yep, that lesson's learned. Now I'm a different person. Yeah. It's like, I, I learned the lesson, but I'm still actively like working and reminding myself, like, don't fall into the old habit that got you where you were, where you had to learn that lesson. So that's some of mine too, yeah. are like things I'm trying to continuously remind myself. 100%. I think that's like a lot of mine are the exact same Yeah, where I had that aha moment where I was like, wow, this is a lesson that I'm going to write in my journal or like Mm -hmm. in my notes app, but it's not, I feel like everything in your twenties, but in life in general, which we're already getting super deep, but it's like, it's never like a one and done. You know what I mean? Like even if it's a personality trait, if it's a lesson learned, if it's, you know, yeah a core part of your identity. Like it's not like just because you do this one thing one time or Mm -hmm. learned this lesson once it's forever part of you. You know, you have to show up and continuously do the work. Yeah. 100%. Awesome. So how this is going to work? Cause I feel like you guys might be like, wow, this might be a really long episode if you're both going to go through 20 things that you've learned. (laughs) Well, I mean, I guess you can see the timestamp, but Tegan and I both have 10 things, 20 Mm -hmm. things total, and we're just going to go back and forth. So Teg, do you want to maybe kick us off with your first lesson learned? Yeah. And this is very like top of mind for me, something I'm continuously trying to remind myself. And it's that it's good to be selfish and even kind of related, like it's okay to be lazy sometimes and to not feel guilty to put yourself first and basically Mm -hmm. learn this because I'm a people pleaser. I find that it's so easy in the moment to say yes and get like that praise of like, if it's your boss asking you to take on more work, you say yes. They're like, yes, that you're such a team player. This is why we love working with you. Like that feels great. But then we actually have to execute on all the things you said you wanted to do just because you wanted to impress other people that never feels good and so it's okay Mm -hmm. to say no and this applies to like all aspects of life it's okay to say no to extra projects it's okay to say no to hanging out with friends if it doesn't make you feel good it's okay to say no to going on a date because you're really tired and you just want to stay home like I feel like it's so easy to be like, I want to go out. I want to experience things like I'm young, but it's also okay to like take care of yourself and have a lazy day every once in a while. Totally. I love that so much. I feel like my first kind of three-ish points are like a branch off of the whole like selfish idea. And my first one it's maybe the opposite of selfish, but it's a hard truth that mm-hmm. I learned. And once I had this realization, it was kind of liberating for me, but it might 
offend you guys, <laughs> but please know I don't mean it that way. The first is that you have to be your own cheerleader and support system. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about you more than you do. Yeah. And I think that's the part people might take offense to or is the hardest truth. So I'm just like jumping out of the gate with straight up cold hard facts. Yeah. But I think it's a really hard thing to wrap your head around that nobody cares about you more than you do. And I feel like, I think, you know, self-awareness is like a key part of our podcast. And like, it's a big part of my life so far in my twenties is just like building Mm -hmm. self-awareness. And I think, I think like through journaling, through listening to podcasts, through taking time to like self-reflect and whatnot, I've really Mm -hmm. learned who I am, what I value, what I want. And it's been kind of easy to chase after those things and support myself in chasing after those things, regardless of any people pleasing um, Mm -hmm. that you were just talking about, Tag. Like if I know what I want, I'm going to support myself and cheer myself on to get there. But I know that sounds really easy, but it's not. I think a lot of us are, you know, really hard on ourselves or we do have these people pleasing tendencies. So I think it's also important to pay attention to how you talk to yourself and know if maybe you're the one standing in your own way. Maybe, you know, you're the one telling yourself you can't do something. So paying attention to that kind of layers into that whole self-awareness that I was talking about, but also Mm -hmm. being dedicated to your own success. And I think that really goes to this whole, nobody cares about you more than you do. It's really, again, hard, but it's like, really, nobody cares if you get the new job, but your like livelihood depends on you getting this new job or, you know, that's just one example, but it's like, you're the one that needs to be dedicated to your success once you kind of going back to last week's episode once you Mm -hmm. define what that success is and how you can achieve it you're the one that needs to really support yourself and cheer yourself on rather than relying on other people yeah to do that for you yeah well and kind of linking that thought to my first lesson like you don't always know what people's true intentions are either like Mm-hmm. in your perspective, oh, someone's asking you to do like more work. Wow. They're trusting me. They're wanting me to like improve my skills. They believe in me when it's like, maybe they're just like, I don't want to do this. Maybe I can suck or take it into doing it. You know, like not everyone's totally. looking out for you and your best interests. They're looking out for them and their best interests. And so you have to be the person yeah. who's standing up for yourself sometimes even though as 1000% a people person that's or a people pleaser that can be hard. So the next lesson I had on my list is that you can't control everything and I'm a big control freak. If you've heard me talk about my Google Calendar, I think that's pretty obvious what that's all about. <laughs> but even outside of you can't control, you know, if people cancel plans or, you know, if a tornado comes through your city and wrecks your house, those are like obvious ways that a things you can't control. But I'm more thinking of like, you can't control if every person you meet is going to like you, you're going to meet some people who just mm-hmm. like, do not like you. And you can't yeah. control how other people act and how other people treat you. You can control how you react to that kind of stuff. And if you continue to have that person in your life, but you can't control that kind of stuff and you can't change that kind of stuff. Like, I feel like it's, there's the naive perspective, I think, especially when it comes to like boyfriends and stuff where it's like, well, I can change him. Or if I just, you know, Mm -hmm. say these magic words, things will be different. They'll treat me better. And that's not the reality very often and it's not really your responsibility either yeah I definitely resonate with that I'm a big control freak as well and I think you know identifying that you're a control freak but then identifying the things you can and can't control is also very liberating you know yeah and I think too like control something once you start it's hard to stop you know like well I can control the situation in this friendship so why not in my relationship or you know that's a bad example maybe but it's like addicting kind of for sure my second one is intuition is something that can be developed listen Mm -hmm. and follow that gut feeling 
I think I'm someone who's always had a strong sense of intuition. So this is like easy for me to say, but through the pandemic, I had a really hard time following my intuition. And then the more that I went against what I thought I should do, the more unfulfilling things felt or the more down in the dumps and just the more off I felt. And it really like impacted my confidence and like, it was really tough, but I think, you know, prior to the pandemic and just kind of building my life in my twenties post-grad, I followed my intuition on everything. If it was Mm -hmm. like, this job's no longer for me, I'm going to quit. You know, I'm talking to my parents and they're like, but it's a great experience. You should hang in there. No job's perfect. But I just had that gut feeling being like, nope, I need to get out. Now's my time. And I followed that gut feeling. So I think just thinking about your intuition is big. It Mm -hmm. could also be your intuition when it comes to safety. Like maybe you're at a party and you're like, something's telling me to leave this party right now. Yeah. Like I just have a bad feeling. Follow that feeling, you know? So I think just intuition is a big, again, part of self-awareness, but I really think it's important that you can trust your own decision making mm-hmm. rather than looking for external validation or again leaning on other people to tell you what to do. Yeah. Because really you only know what the best decision is for yourself and what will be a fulfilling decision for you. Kind of going back to what you were saying, Tag, is yeah. not everybody has your best interests, mm-hmm. you know, at heart. So you need to have your own best interest and really follow that intuition. That's been key for me. Yeah, I find especially like that gut feeling or intuition when it comes to people and first impressions is often very revealing. And yeah, like if you're getting a weird vibe from someone or a bad vibe from someone and you're like, but they haven't done anything weird yet, like don't write that off. Doesn't like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying every single person that you think might be a weirdo, like don't talk to them, but it's like, keep, you know, aware of what's going on. Because we have, you know, these warning signs that are built into our body from like caveman times and it's to help us survive. So if your body's sending you messages, you know, pay attention to it. Yeah. And I really think the more you listen to it, the more strong that voice in your head or that feeling in your gut becomes. And that's kind of what I mean by it can be developed, you know, because the more you listen to it it's kind of like you're strengthening that muscle or like that connection becomes stronger between your gut and your brain. So don't ever, you know, second guess that gut feeling and just act on it. Because I think even if you act on it and it doesn't end up working the way you thought it would, you're still gathering information to be like, okay, well, next time I know like my gut feeling will probably be different about this situation because I did it and it didn't work out a certain way or whatever it is. So yeah. 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 My next point is to use your fancy stuff. So this is something I've like talked about before, but like, I feel like it's so easy to be like, you know, you splurge money obviously is important. It's hard to earn money. We all understand that. So you splurge on something and then your instinct is, well, I'm not going to use it because I want to save it. And while I like completely understand the thought process behind it, and I don't condone like wasting things at the same time, it's like you bought it, you earned it, you deserve to use it. Don't save your stuff Mm -hmm. for a special day. Like I remember my first ever Urban Decay Naked palette. I think I can't remember what these (laughs) even cost. I think it was like 50 bucks or something. And it's like, I was working at Wendy's and was making like $8 an hour. And so it's like that to save up 50 bucks takes a long time, but I did it. I bought it. And then it's like, I didn't want to use it or I didn't want to use it like as much as I could be. I'd use like one shade instead of using three mm-hmm. and I, I would, wouldn't travel with it because I was scared that it would like break when I was traveling and that kind of stuff. But now it's like a couple months ago, I just threw out for pretty much full naked palettes because they're all 10 years old expired. And some of the shades like didn't even look like they were touched. And it's like, regardless of if I was using them or not, they would have had to be thrown out eventually. Like, 
-hmm. Just use it. Who cares? Like burn your fancy candle. You saved up for it once. If you Mm -hmm. love it that much that you spent the money on it, you also deserve to use it and make like your everyday special. So I wanted to throw that in there. Yeah. I was just going to say that I feel like buying something special is one feeling, but then using it, if it's something you can use multiple times, like that also gives me that same special feeling, you know? So yeah, bring that into your everyday. We need a little bit more fanciness in yeah. our day-to-day. Yeah, exactly. And I love how you brought up the Urban Decay naked palettes because mm-hmm. I literally, so when this episode drops, it's the Sephora sales happening and I've already spent so much money on this stupid <laughs> sale, but nobody here is surprised. But I was like cleaning out my makeup cabinet and I was like, I should really throw out my naked palettes because like, yeah. there's like you said, 10 years old, they're disgusting. Yeah. Like I don't use them was, now. Yeah, like I'm not too. going to next yeah. week either, you know? So it's like, just get rid of them. But it's like the sentiment behind them because they were such a big deal. And like, exactly yeah. like you said, like one of my first like makeup purchases and from Sephora, like yeah. <laughs> I'm like emotionally attached to them. So funny. Okay, my next one, and this is like the last piece on the whole like selfish thing for me, from me for a while, but it is that it's not that people are selfish. It's that they're the main character of their stories while Mm -hmm. you're the main character of your own. Mm -hmm. And I know we were just talking about how you should be selfish. And I think as soon as you start to be like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to prioritize me. Sometimes you're like, but I also expect everybody else to prioritize me. (laughs) And I'm somebody who like, I really put my everything into my friendships and like my Mm -hmm. relationships. If it's for my family members, if it's for my friends, like I'm like, if you have a problem, I'm going to help you solve it. Like, and I'm going to take it on as if it's my own problem. Even at work, I'm like, if you guys have a problem, you need me to work overtime. Like in some cases, not all cases, but I'm like, this is now my problem and I'm here until the end until we fix this. However, I slipped down the slippery slope of them being like, I expect all of my friends to do the exact same thing for me. And I expect my boss to care about me as much as I care about, you know, this company, whatever it is. I know I'm being dramatic, but (laughs) like that's sometimes how my brain works. And Mm -hmm. then I start to feel like, well, why does nobody care about me and whatnot? And it's like, Mm -hmm. it's not fair that you're expecting everybody to care about you again, as much as you do, because nobody really does care about you as much as you do. Mm -hmm. So I think I had a hard time wrapping my head around, well, everyone's so selfish. Why Mm -hmm. don't they, you know, care about me? But then that's a selfish thought in itself. So I feel like it's just not fair because, or it's not fair for you to expect that from other people because obviously everybody has their own lives. You know, everyone has their own stuff going on at work and their relationships with their friendships and their families, just Mm -hmm. as much as you have going on in your life, you know, and I think it's just important to reframe that thought from everyone is so selfish. Nobody cares about me to being like, I understand you're really busy. Yeah. I'm really busy too, you know? And like, if you need extra support, like make sure you're asking for it, like in a way rather than just expecting it and make sure it's on the big stuff where you actually need it rather than being like, well, why doesn't my sister care what I bought in the Sephora sale when I care mm-hmm. what she bought at Indigo today? Like, you know? yeah. like yeah. it's small scale to big scale. We all have mm-hmm. stuff and you can't expect everybody to care about you and your story as much as they care about their own. Yeah, 100%. I also find that I struggle with that just because I think for both of us, our love language is like gift giving. And so I put a lot yeah. of effort into thinking of thoughtful gifts and like putting it together. And when, especially when I was younger, like 90% of the time that effort isn't reciprocated because it's crazy how much time I put into this stuff. Like that's not realistic to expect Mm -hmm. from anyone. And, but then it's still like a visual example of like, well, I put in this much time for this thing. Or like in relationships, if you have different love languages, it's like, well, I get you all these little gifts all the time when it's like, well, the other person's trying to reciprocate that love by doing like acts of service 
and you're just like Mm -hmm. not even noticing, you know? So I feel like it's such an easy thing to like spiral into too. Like the more you think of it, but it's, it's hard. So I resonate with that. Yeah. So the next couple I have to talk about are drinking related because I feel like you know, late teens to early twenties, this is when you're like really experimenting and pushing your limits. And I know like a lot of our listeners are American, so they can start legally drinking at 21, which seems so late to me. And it's hilarious. Cause I was like, they would have already (laughs) figured this out by now if they're in their twenties. But then I was like, wait, no, not the American listeners. So although I'm sure they drink before the age of 21, they're like Canadians, but yeah. So I wanted to say something that I did when I was in my early 20s that I found really helped is I figured out my drink limit and then I would like stick to it. And this is like especially at like work functions because I feel like mm. it's so easy to be like, I was fine. And then all of a sudden, yeah. I was like blackout, but it's like, there is like a line there. And so figuring out what that line is. So in my early twenties, it was four drinks. And so it's like, I can have four drinks in a night. If I go past that night and there were nights where I had more, but it's like, I know, like, I don't have to work tomorrow. Who cares? Or it's like, it's me and my boyfriend. So who cares? But if it's like, you're at a work dinner, I know four drinks is the max. Nowadays, I can push it to five just because I'm older and I think I've like, I don't know, raised my more limit. Yeah. And uh, it also, obviously, this depends. Like if you didn't eat anything all day, it's going to be different. But yeah, I just found that once I figured that out, it's so much easier to like not make a fool of yourself, but still be able to, you know, have fun, have a drink with a coworker, that kind of thing without, you know, being embarrassed or making yourself super hungover. So figure yeah. out what that limit is and then stick to it when you're at those kinds of events. I love that so much. When you first started, I was like killing myself laughing. Cause I'm like, what is my drink limit? But the more you started talking about it. And the thing is I never respect the drink limit when I'm yeah. out with friends really. Yeah. However, I do I do think my drink limit is typically three drinks and yeah. for work stuff it's two. But yeah. I've also like seen on TikTok and social media people talking about their drink limit on dates because it's mm. not quite like the whole work scene situation, but it's like I know after one drink, I'm starting to like loosen up and like feel more yeah. comfortable talking. But I know after three drinks, like I lose all self-control and might do things that I'll regret tomorrow, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, let's, let's know our, uh, drink limits and it might change based on the social situation as well. You know? Yeah. 100%. Love that. I have a drink related one as well, but mine is, to always eat and chug water and maybe a tea after a night out and before bed, no matter how drunk you are. And I say a tea because that is what I do, but I know that sounds extremely weird to everybody. (laughs) Water (laughs) and food makes the most sense. But guys, kind of going back to what you're saying, Tag, like hangovers just hit so different as you get older. And like, I remember drinking through college, like three nights a week, back to back, like Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, I'd spend, you know, half a Sunday hungover and I'd be fine Sunday night, take on the rest of the week. Now I'm like, if I drink one night, I can be hungover for like two days. Like I just Mm -hmm. don't bounce back the way I used to. (laughs) I need to take better care of myself. So eating, chugging water, I always feel so much better the next day when I do wake up hungover. If I've ate and chugged water, literally a few weeks ago, I went to a wedding and I got like probably the most like blackout drunk. And like, I haven't (laughs) been that drunk in a very long time, but I had planned to get drunk that night. Not quite that drunk, but still Mm -hmm. I had leftover Greek food in the fridge. Mm -hmm. I do not remember coming home. I do not remember eating the uh, Greek food, but the next day it was gone. 
and I felt fine. Well, not fine. Yeah. I was very tired and not super like a hundred percent, but I was like, thank God. Like I learned this lesson and continue to practice it literally every time I get home from yeah. a night out because it always saves me the next day. Yeah. I have a similar one, which is always eat when you're drinking. And like, I remember I would have friends who would like purposely not eat because they're like, they'll get drunker. Like, don't do that. (laughs) Don't. I feel like that's something you do one time because you think you're smart and you're like, why does no one else do this? And then you're like, oh yeah. And then you get so sick. Yeah. Yeah. So always eat when you're drinking and like make that a priority. Even if it's like, you're coming home, I always get Uber Eats or I'll make like Mr. Noodles or like something just so it's not just like all the booze you just drank sitting in your stomach and I always try to have water by my bedside table and my key is I chug it every single time I wake up in the night like usually I have to wake up and pee because I drank so much but so then every time I wake up I will chug some water and then go back to sleep and that I think is like the ultimate cure because I find most of my hangover symptoms are just from being tired. So it's like, if you can just like hydrate quick and like get back to sleep, you're going to be good. You're gold. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. My, I'm going off the whole drinking theme, but my next one on my list is a quick one. And it is that traveling is one of the best ways to learn and grow and gain new perspective. And I think this goes without saying, if you know me, I love to travel, but the reason Mm -hmm. I love to travel is just to experience new things, meet new people, see new places. And I really think that helps me grow as a person. And if you're someone who hasn't traveled yet, like I feel like even just going like on a small trip, you could maybe see, or even different parts of your like current city, you know, you can kind of see how different people do different things than you in your day to day. And you Mm -hmm. can learn from that experience. So definitely that one makes the list top five, even (laughs) (laughs) love it. Yeah, my next one, I'm getting away from the drinking theme too. And this is more like household tips, but it's to have three sets of household towels and household sheets. And this was something I learned when I was doing my wedding um, registry. I was like, how much of all this stuff are you supposed to register for? And the rule of thumb is for towels, three towels per person, because that's supposed to be There's one in the closet, there's one like on the hook, and there's one in the hamper. And I also Mm. apply this to like sheets because I, like the cheap person I am for a long time, would have like one set of sheets. But then when it comes time to washing your sheets, it's like you've got to be on that because if it gets to be bedtime and your sheets are still wet, like you're stuck. And so this is why I like having extra sheets just because it makes it easier to be washing your sheets. Like you can change your sheets more frequently because it's not like you have to be changing your sheets when you're not doing any other laundry because you have to be on it. And it makes it so that if your sheets are taking for some reason two rounds in the dryer to get fully dry, it's not like, okay, well, I'm staying up till 1am until this is done or I'm sleeping on a bare mattress. You're like, no, I've got an extra set in the closet. I can throw on for this week and I'm good to go. Wow. You are a true adult. You just passed the adult vibe check. (laughs) (laughs) I have two sets of sheets. Yeah. And that's, Usually I feel like good. that's good for that cats third that set. Throw up on sheets, so that's also why I'm like, I need three yeah. sets. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, pets are pets are fun for that. <laughs> yeah. My next one is going back to kind of the friend thing, but this is a slightly different approach, and. This is being a good friend is never a waste of time or energy, even Mm. when they don't listen to your advice or you feel Mm underappreciated. So I feel like I kind of hinted at this when I was talking about everyone being the main character of their own stories, but I really take pride in being a good friend to people. And sometimes, like I was saying, I feel like I'm giving a hundred percent 
and they don't give it back to me, but sometimes I feel like they also don't appreciate me giving 100%. Mm-hmm. Or they kind of just like brush it off and you're like, no, I'm trying really hard to help you, you know? Yeah. Again, that's kind of what you were saying, Tag, out of your control. But mm-hmm. I do think that karma is a very real thing. And I do feel like I have really great friends and I feel like it's because I'm a good friend. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I feel like it was kind of karma, but also it's like you attract what you are kind of thing too. Yeah. So I don't know. And I've also had situations where I was like, I don't think like my friend very deliberately didn't take my advice and did like the exact opposite after we really talked this through. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in the moment I'll be like, oh, like I'm frustrated. But at the same time, it doesn't really impact me, you know? And yeah. I think that's kind of going back to the control freak thing is like, honestly, I gave, I did my part in like providing the advice. If they follow mm-hmm. it or not, doesn't yeah, like reflect on how good of a friend I am, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. This is something I feel like I've, Again, it's like I always have to remind myself of this, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have kind of a similar friendship point I wanted to bring up, and this is that you can't force friendships. And so Mm -hmm. this is like if someone doesn't want to put in the effort, you can't like force them by like doubling down and going harder. And like I said, not everyone's going to like you. You can't really control that. And sometimes if you are the one who's always putting the effort consistently and they're just like not giving anything back, like that's a message to you and it's okay to walk away from friendships like that. Totally. Yeah. And we've had, you know, episodes about friendships in the past because I think your 20s are a prime time for changing friendships and, you know, mm-hmm. your college university friends and then your post-grad friends and your high school friends might start drifting apart. So friendships is a big part of your 20s. So I think yeah. coming to terms with you can't force friends, you can't force, you know, maintaining friendships you've had mm-hmm. all through high school or whatever. Like, I feel like yeah. that's a big, big lesson learned for sure. 100%. My next one comes from a mantra I created for myself a few years ago, and I feel like I have maybe mentioned it on a past episode, but it is that there's enough time and money to do everything you want to do. And I feel like it's common to hear, I don't have time for that. There's not enough time in the day, or I can't afford that. That's too expensive for me. And, you know, just using time and money as kind of like limiting beliefs of what you can and can't have, what you can and can't achieve. And I've read a lot of self-help books. (laughs) So I feel like that's kind of how I came to this conclusion of like, but what if I view everything as kind of an abundance mindset? Like there is enough time for me to do this. I can afford this. I'm going to buy this Mm -hmm. because I can afford it. And just like approaching life that way. And it's been extremely amazing for me, like life-changing for me to adapt this mantra. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a fine line. You know, you don't want to be like irresponsible with it and taking on too much or buying Mm -hmm. things that put you in crazy debt. Like that's not what I'm saying, but just having that abundance mindset of how you view things can totally change, change everything and change how you feel about things. You know, if money is something you're insecure about having an abundance mindset and saying to yourself, I can afford this. I have enough money to do everything I want to do. Even if it's not right now, you're putting the positive vibes out there that it will come Mm -hmm. around. So I feel like even when I think, stop and think about it, I'm like, how do I live in Toronto by myself? Like, how do I afford my lifestyle? Because I have a very expensive lifestyle. But I really, like, I don't know how else to describe it other than I view that I can do it, so I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, literally, it, like, Toronto's one of the most expensive cities in North America. Like, in the past, I've been like, oh, I don't have time. But somehow I've carved out enough time to work two jobs in the past, work full-time mm-hmm. and freelance, you know, socialize, 
have alone time, you know, there's enough time to do all of those things. And there's enough Mm -hmm. money to afford my rent, to get my nails done every four weeks, to, you know, Mm -hmm. do all those other things I like to do. So if there's a will, there's a way, man. And there is enough time and money to do it all. Yeah, 100%. I think the next point I had was kind of money related. So kind of not, but it's that it's easy to be jealous of people when you don't see the full picture. And this came to mind Mm. for me because when I first started working, like my first big girl job, I was like, how do these people afford the clothes that they're wearing? I worked with a girl who she said, I do not own a single piece of clothing that's not from Aritzia. And I was like, I don't own a single piece of clothing that's from Aritzia because like, as if I could afford that. And mm-hmm. I, I was shopping at Forever 21 and it was like embarrassing because people would ask me where stuff was from and I'd say Forever 21 and it's like they'd laugh. And I was like, how are these people like, like, I was like, they must just be saving better, that kind of stuff. But then it's like, as I got to know them, I found out they all lived with their parents. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, so if I wasn't paying, you know, an insane amount of my Toronto rent, sure, I could be shopping for all this stuff. Or I've yeah. worked with people in the past who would be wearing like Gucci shoes and stuff. And I was like, the thought of buying Gucci shoes has never even crossed my mind because I, can, I can't afford to spend that kind of money. But then these people were living paycheck to paycheck. But mm. from an outwards perspective, it was like, damn, they must be so good with their money because look, they've got their Gucci shoes on when in fact it's the opposite. And so I just feel like it's so easy to be jealous or be like, how are these people doing this? Like, I must be doing something wrong when it's like, you don't really see the full picture. Even like I have Mm -hmm. people in my life who don't understand how I can afford to travel. It's like, well, I'm traveling with my husband. So the price of everything besides flights is like cut in half because we're splitting a hotel room. We're splitting the cost of this, that, and the other thing. And it's the same for our lifestyle now, but it's like, if people don't know that I'm married, all they see is me spending all this stuff, not realizing that for most things I buy, the cost is split in half. Right. Yeah, so, no, I think that yeah. is such a good reminder. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with social media, it's so easy to be like, yeah. why do they have why this they- and I don't? And you only yeah. see, you know the positive side of it where exactly like on the other end of it, it's like sometimes I've had to work two jobs in my life to afford my lifestyle, you know, like you don't see that part. So yeah. yeah. 100%. Okay. Hang in there guys. We are getting to the end and this one is a really good one. If I do say so myself, but it is to reflect on the past plan for the future, but don't forget to enjoy the now. So I think it's important, obviously, to reflect. I, You guys know that. I reflect in my journal all the time, do self-reflection. But I think that's really key in helping you learn from past experiences and also helping you get closure to move on from that experience. Mm-hmm. If it was a good or bad experience, it gives you the closure to move on. I think planning for the future is important. Obviously, I'm a goal setter, so I'm always (laughs) thinking of my future. But I think, you know, planning for your future, if it's through goals or just thinking about it, it really gives you direction and gives you guidance and purpose and something to work towards. So that's really key. However, I think for me, I typically live in either of those states where I'm like, I'm journaling, doing self-reflection on this specific feeling, thought, experience in my life, or I'm setting goals for the next month. And that sometimes I really forget to live in the now. But when you really think about it, and I know we've said this on the podcast before, is life is only really made up of a few big moments and big milestones. But there's so many small little moments in between those milestones that we kind of overlook, but that's what makes up our stories. You know, that's what makes up our life is all those small moments. So those small moments are what I'm considering the now in this situation. Mm. And this is just a reminder to embrace them, enjoy them as they're happening rather than always looking ahead or looking back. Yeah, for sure. My next point is kind of similar to a couple points I 
ones you've brought up, but I'm kind of thinking about it in the opposite way, which is no one is thinking of you as much as you think they are. And when you were talking about this, it was like, because, you know, they're not putting in the effort for you and they're not, you know, thinking how to help you. I'm thinking of this as like, in the negative way, like, wow, everyone at that party last night must have thought I was so weird. They must be like texting Bennett. And it's like, no one's doing that. Anytime you are having those feelings, it's like, well, reflect, what are you thinking about right now? You're thinking about yourself, which is probably what every other person that was at that party is doing. Like no one's putting in the effort to be like thinking about you dissecting your moves and like, it's just not realistic. So I find that to be a good mm-hmm. reminder if you're ever spiraling or like everyone at work must think I'm a weirdo because I said this in a meeting or I can't believe I fell in front of my group of friends. It was so embarrassing. It's like, no one cares. People just care about themselves yeah. realistically. So it's not that big of a deal. Totally. I need to hear that because I really want to start going to a gym by my house, but I'm Mm -hmm. very, I have never worked out at the gym before, so I don't know how to use the machines. Well, I have worked out at the gym, but with my sister who goes to the gym all the time. So like when it comes to working the machines, like she knows how to do it and shows me how, but going by myself, I'm like, everybody's going to be watching me and everybody's going to see that I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, I get so insecure about it where it's preventing me from going, but it's like, realistically, nobody's watching me, you know, nobody yeah. knows what I'm doing. Nobody's paying attention or thinking about it the way I'm yeah. thinking about it. So this is a pep talk I needed. <laughs> yeah, well, this is very fresh for me because last night I went to a bar like by myself for the first time, I think ever, unless it's like I'm meeting up a friend and I was there like two minutes early or something. But I like went with the sole intention, like I'm going to be the only person there. I was meeting up with someone later, but I had an hour to kill. And so I was like, oh, I'll go into this bar. And it was like scary, but also not because I was like, what's so scary? Like it was a place that I've been to so many times. And it was like, you're a grown woman. You can do it. So I went and did it and I had such a nice time. Like I made all these friends, a guy and his wife bought me a beer because they were like, it's so nice that you just came out by yourself. Like it was just like very chill and wholesome, but it was like, yeah, I could have ran with the narrative that was in my head. That's like, well, if I walk in by myself, mm-hmm. everyone's going to be like, what's that freak doing by herself? And if I'm sitting by myself, they're exactly. going to be like, why is she in this bar by herself? You know, but it's like, no one's even thinking that. Yeah, 100%. Okay, my next one is to never apologize for calling out bullshit. And this is like an aggressive one, probably the most aggressive on my list. But, and I know it's also not easy for everybody. Like I am a fairly like assertive and confrontational person. So this again is easy for me to say. But I really feel like there's value in having your own values and opinions and being able to speak on them, you know? Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying go argue with everybody and force your belief system on everybody else. But I'm just saying like in the workplace, in your relationships, if somebody is treating you the way, in a way that you know is bullshit, you know, if Mm -hmm. it's whatever it is, I can't even think of an example, say something and you don't necessarily need to say like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like you don't need to be aggressive about it, but yeah. it's just like, stand up for yourself, speak up for yourself. And I find because I do this, I feel like people respect me and like, mm-hmm. I don't often feel like I'm being walked all over by people at work, but it's because I have boundaries, I communicate them. And if people cross them or even outside of boundaries, but just like say something that's wrong and I stand up for myself or what I believe in, people are like, oh, okay, like I respect you, you know? And yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to word this, but. Yeah. yeah. I think no, also, I think that makes also sense. feeds into my confidence. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely not an assertive person. But there are 
certain things I will fight for. And sometimes it's just like me explaining things in a different way. Like if it's work and people aren't understanding me or they're trying to change my ideas, I'll step in and be like, Mm -hmm. no, that's not what I meant. Let me explain that again. The only time I'll say I'll get like aggressively assertive is if it's like someone saying something like racist or like that kind of stuff. I'll be like, no, like I'm not about to sit and be like, "Hmm, interesting thought. Thanks for bringing it up. And yeah, I, yeah, I do think that's important for people to do like call out that kind of stuff when you see it. And especially like, I know we have some male listeners. Like if you see someone being misogynistic in the workplace, like call that out and be like, yo, what the hell? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, totally. And yeah. And I feel like you don't need to, it's not like you're picking a fight for every single thing, you know, or being like, well, actually every time somebody voices their opinion, you know, it's just like, know what your values are, know what your, you know, you care about what your opinions are and know what you're passionate about. And then just really stand up for those things, speak on those things. And yeah. Yeah. Be an advocate. Yeah, exactly. So my last point is kind of motivational, but also kind of not. And it's that you can do (laughs) anything you want, but you need to actually make a plan to have that happen. Like, I feel like it sounds fake to be like, you can have anything you want. But I truly do believe like if there is something that you want, you can get pretty close at least but you need to actually have a plan like you can't just be like I'm gonna climb Mount Everest and then every year be mad because you haven't done it like to do to achieve a goal especially if it's like a huge goal like that or it's like I want to direct a movie or I want to start my own business it's like that these kinds of things aren't just gonna fall into your lap you have to work hard and come up Mm -hmm. with a plan and make it happen. But if it's important to you and you're willing to do those steps and work hard on it, I do believe that it is achievable. I love that so much. I believe the same thing. And I think that actually goes perfectly into my last point, which is showing up is the hardest part, but you always Mm got to follow through for yourself. And that's it exactly is you can know what you want, you know, and you can... even you can have a plan to get there, but if you don't actually show up and put in the work, you're not going to yeah. be moving forward. You know, you're not actually going to achieve that, but it can be really hard to show up for yourself. And we talked about this yeah. last week when we talked to Diana on the podcast, like it can be really hard and it can yeah. be, you can get lazy. Sometimes you can fall into bad habits. You can take the easy route or the familiar route rather than pushing yourself to, do something new to get to where you want to go. But I think it's really important to remember that nobody else is responsible for your happiness or your fulfillment or your success. Like you are the only person who is responsible for that. And I think that's been a huge thing that has come to kind of light for me, even in having this podcast, like just because we're sitting here telling you guys every single week, like this is how we live our best life. And like, you should try this, you should try that. Yeah. It's, you know, it's great that you're here listening, but if you're not actually showing up and like putting in the work for yourself, you're not actually going to see any change, you know, and you're not going to feel any different. So it's hard, but you got to show up for yourself. Yeah. 100%. But easiest part at least for me is coming up with like wouldn't it be great if I ran a marathon this year and then you're like yeah here I go and then you're like look at I'm setting goals I'm killing it but then it's like if you then like go for a run every six months and then get mad because when you do your yearly reflection you're like well I didn't run a marathon that's what I said I wanted to do it's like well you didn't actually set yourself up for success at all or sometimes it's like, exactly. like Diana said, you set a goal too high, almost subconsciously so that you fail. And you're like, this just proves that I'm not a runner. It's like, you think you're not a mm. runner because you didn't run a marathon when you didn't plan or try. But 
it's so easy to like set those traps for yourself or like I find it I'm always battling with my confidence related to work and I flip-flop between like I'm the best to like I am the worst and I'm lucky I got hired and so it's like you apply Mm -hmm. for a job that you're not qualified for and then you get rejected you're like well that just proves it I suck at my job when it's mm-hmm. like, no, if you want to work that job, you've got to figure out, well, what are the qualifications I need to get there? Do I need to be doing like extra, you know, workshops outside of my nine to five? Do I need to be doing these kinds of things? And if you really want it, there are always usually multiple paths to get there. It just takes you totally showing up and doing it. And I think that that is related to it being a goal that is truly important to you. It's not you wanting to run a marathon because you think that would be cool. Like it's you wanting to do it because, you know, you've been a runner your whole life and you want to challenge yourself in that extra way or whatever it may be. Yeah. It ties into something bigger. 100%. Yeah, exactly. Great. Well, I think those were our 20 things we learned in our 20s. So I hope you learned something as well and things resonated with you. We'd also love to hear some of the things you've learned if you are in your 20s, because it is the decade, I feel like, of just like continuous learnings. And Mm -hmm. yeah, thanks so much for listening. We put out a new episode every single Tuesday. So make sure you're subscribed and following us so you see when those new episodes drop. In between those episodes, you can follow us on social. We're at our golden twenties on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Pinterest, Spotify. And we have a Patreon page, which is your best way to show your support for the podcast. As always, thanks for listening. See you next Tuesday. Bye.